Hello everybody, it's time for our fortnightly Sam and the Big Man podcast and we've got a very special guest, the President of Pennant Hills, Phil, here with us as well. Firstly, it's a very warm welcome to the uh, AFL Community Football Manager of Seniors in Sydney, Sam Zickman. G'day Zick, how are you mate? Uh, Mr Redden, it's absolutely privileged to be with you again this week. I know we only do a fortnightly, so I'm just ready to go every second week to, to talk about AFL Sydney with you and Wrapped to be here tonight, and we've got a couple of great rounds of AFL Sydney to footy to talk about, which is going to be brilliant. And obviously, we've got Phil on the line as well from Pennant Hills, who we'll get to in a moment. But excited to get started, David. It's unbelievable to think that we're a third of the way through the season. The ladders are taking shape. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy how quickly the season's flown by, but incredibly exciting at the same time where we are at the moment. Oh, it is. It's been really exciting. You're right, a third of the ways. It's quite extraordinary. Um, and we'll introduce Phil in a minute. Sam, massive news in relation to broadcast agreements. Over to you, sir. Please tell... Oh, by the way, it's a big cheerio to our, our, the timekeeper at the women's game on the weekend at uh, Pennant Hills, Brian, who was saying that he listens to our podcast. So, Brian, if you're listening, mate, I hope you're well. hope all your students are well at your school, and it was lovely to meet you on Saturday. So, big cheerio to Brian out there at Cherrybrook. Sam, broadcast agreements. Yeah, look, we were really close to talking about this on the podcast two weeks ago. We just didn't quite have the final tick of approval, uh, which was unfortunate. It could have been exclusive on the on the Sam and the Big Man podcast. But yeah, look, for those people that, that would be that follow our league closely, they would have been aware that uh, the league signed a broadcast deal with KO Sports um, to to broadcast our match of the round men's and women's premiership games for the entire season and also our final series uh, on KO Sports, which is. Just a massive element for our competition and a component that just provides everyone in our footy community, whether they be in Sydney or whether they be interstate or even international, that they can join in, watch our games over KO, just a really high-quality stream, a high-quality production. And uh, and it just adds to that professionalism that we're really trying to deliver in AFL Sydney. This is the showpiece league and what we're, we want to turn into the the premium league across this entire state and territory. Uh, and that's the aim, and this is uh, part of the reason why we went after a broadcast agreement with KO. We love the fact that we can stream live on Facebook, David. You know, me and you love the opportunity to call footy every week. But to be able to enhance that with KO for our, for our league and for our footy community was the reason we went after that broadcast deal. And we're, we're wrapped to be able to sign it off for the 2021 season and hopefully for many years to come. It's fantastic, the opportunity, and it's great to be able to spread spread the word about Sydney football, isn't it? And you're right, it is a it is a, a Premier a Premier League in our state, and the ability to be on KO is just a real thrill. It's a congratulations to you. I know you've done a lot of work with everybody there at AFL at AFL Sydney. Fantastic news! So we keep listening to us on KO. Uh, listen Absolutely, to... tune in every week. Match of the round this week, huge games, Sydney Uni and Penno. Yeah, listen to me making Sam Zickman sound like a Rhodes Scholar every week, I might add. Uh, he was very good with his analysis on the all, weekend. Mate. Not at all. And uh, Sam, thank you very much for that. So again, we're on KO every week, every weekend. Without any further ado, the president of the Pennant Hills Demons is Phil Hare. Phil, that's a very warm welcome to the Sam and the Big Man podcast to you. It's great to have you on board. Thank you for joining us. Fantastic. Thank you, David, and thank you, Sam. And I just actually want to pass on a couple of comments about KO first off. We obviously being um, streamed last week, posted on our Facebook and our social media. The amount of positive feedback we received, particularly, and I'll be very honest about you and Sam, the professionalism of the broadcast um, was outstanding. And these were from people nationally and internationally. So 
the feedback in our broader community is just through the roof of how quality our high quality production is, um, and we couldn't be happy. So thank you so much. Thanks, oh. Phil. It's awesome to get our feedback. And it was oh. nice to walk through the rooms as well in, in Peno and see the huge, um, it up on the big screen as well. So it was great to see, obviously, the footy on either side. So, now awesome. Really appreciate the feedback there. Extraordinarily kind. Thank you very much. That means an enormous amount, genuinely. That, uh, that's very nice. Thank you. Phil, uh, having been at, uh, at, uh, at my Kenny Oval on, on, for the first time for me on Saturday, your new club rooms are absolutely magnificent. Um, they are just a superb setup, and they are going to be the envy of many, many people, not just in Sydney, but across the entire state. Talk to us about the evolution of the rooms and and how and what what everybody's feeling is of the rooms. I'm sure you're a very proud man at the moment. Yeah, look, there's a, there's a very strong cohort of people who've been working hard at our club, um, and like when great things happen, they just don't happen overnight. So I'm not sure how much you know about the but the Penn Hills AFL club. For our first 40 years of our life, we're out of the Urn Homes Oval in Pentagon's Park. Beautiful little bush scene, um, but horrendous to get in and out of, small parking, small ground. And about 10 years ago, we had to move out of that ground from a logistical point of view. And now we were a three-team club back then, and we moved to Mike Kenny. Now, Mike Kenny Oval um, is a big expanse. It's four baseball courts. It allowed us to have lots of people on the training field. And then after a couple of years, we started growing our team numbers, and we were very fortunate to have two ovals. So about seven years ago, a number of our club believed that footy is much more than just the on-field fitness element. It's about the community, the social connection. And our club rooms were an awning. Um, they were literally... And, and like a lot of Sydney clubs, and I'm an ex-Victorian, the lack of off-field facilities was, was very um, pertinent to us to, strike, to keep building on a strong club culture. So seven years ago, Bob Ray and I worked with the AFL, we've got concept plans drawn up, we started lobbying and along that seven year journey we were able to secure some funding, federal funding, um, and we think now we've ended up with probably, and, and I've been lucky to be around Australia Woody a fair bit, I think they're the best community club rooms in Australia, primarily because of the two grounds and the fact you can stand in the middle and see our premier women's play and then watch the premier men's play um, and grab a sausage or a soft drink or a coffee or a beer in between that. It's really, we're very privileged. You are, and I come from the Riverina in the heartland of football and um, having spent a lot of time on the border country and in northern Victoria and in the Riverina, that those rooms are the equivalent of most of the ones I've seen. Um, you've got to go to places like Bendigo and Ballarat until you start to get facilities that are the equivalent of that. And again, the difference is that you've got two grounds, one above the other, that, and the opportunity to, to be above the ground for the women's, for the game, for the Mike Kenny bottom oval gives a lovely aspect to it. It was great to broadcast them there on Saturday afternoon because you've got such a great view of, of the setup there. So, no, it's a great setup. If once I can only encourage people to get over there. It's a fantastic facility. That, that TV's on, the Swans are on there, beating Collingwood, which is always good to see Collingwood get beaten. And it was just a great day, good atmosphere, canteen working early. Lovely coffee, wasn't it, Sammy? We had a couple of coffees here. We, we made sure we, we, we imbibed it. was lovely. So, yeah, well, I might have gone back for a couple of coffees throughout the day, David, no <laughs> doubt. In that weather, goodness me. Now, Phil, the next thing we wanted to talk about on, on the sub subjects that Sam's brought up here is your women's program. Um, talk to us about how that's evolved and where it's going and uh, certainly some very good players that I, I witnessed on the weekend. We've seen the women's side a couple of times now, once at Anzac Day and then at home. They put up an excellent performance on the weekend. You must be very proud of where they're heading. We absolutely are. And it's, it's amazing to think that this is only our sixth year of women's football. 
Um, so I went back in 2016 was our first year, and a lot of those same players are still playing with us. Um, we're now a four-team club for women's program. That's bigger than our whole club was eight years ago. So if you go back you know, 2014, 13, sorry, we were a three-team club. We've now got four women's teams. The thing that we're in some ways the most proud about is that nearly every one of our girls are the same as our men's. They're local and loyal. So they're getting better every year as they play football. We don't have any ex-AFLW players. Um, while somehow we would love it, and we would love to have two or three running around, really they're just our local talent. And we see them getting better every year. And the quality of football to watch now in our Prem's women, but not just Prem's women, Div 1 women, Div 3 women, Div 4 women, um, it's outstanding and getting better every year as the players keep developing. I think that sort of sums it up. Sam, I'm not sure if you've got any input there, but that sums up exactly what I think where the program's heading. Yeah, it's just been a tremendous growth that, that's been seen as a club. I mean, that's the that's the part that, from an AFL point of view, sitting back and watching the, the women's program grow and Peniels and across other clubs as well across Sydney. It's just been that tremendous growth in numbers, and it's a credit to the club and that bottom oval at Mike Kenny just provides such a wonderful atmosphere for that team to play and, and find a, a home within that within that club. But yeah, just a wonderful effort with how much that that program's grown. Um, and it's, you know, they've got some wonderful leaders out there and some wonderful coaches for that women's program and, and all that success is showing. Oh, absolutely. It's interesting oh, oh. one, Sam, that I'd say that one of our biggest attractors is actually culture versus game, that a lot of the girls will come because of friends saying, this is a great place to be around, it's professional, it's friendly, it's safe. And they're attracted as much by the culture of the club as a um, almost innate love of the AFL game. Now, they, they love that up. They've played it a couple of times. But it's really culture that attracts them first. That's funny segue into our next subject is the culture and the environment at the club. I'm not sure if you've listened to our game, but I'm, Sam was uh, doing some duties at halftime and I had a little bit of a chance to have an editorial at halftime in the men's. And I, I spoke about um, my feelings about it, having never been there before. And the feeling that you get at the club is that it's a family club. And that it, it for me, it felt like being in football in, the, in Riverina or in country Victoria. That's what it felt exactly like. Um, talk to us about the culture and the environment within at the Pan and Hills Demons because I've got a I've got a really strong suspicion it's something that everybody is driving to be continue to be excellent. Absolutely. So we and I think every successful business organisation has mantras. Um, one of our mantras is club team self. So it's really talking about the most important thing is the club versus the individual or the team you play for, and we're a strong believer in that. Um, part of that culture is. And I think this is a really good example of what goes, that we will celebrate a Division Three women's game as much as we will a Premier Division men's game. We don't pay any players. So whether you're the best player in Prems, um, whether you're Ranga and Wickarama coming off an AFL list 10 years ago to Geelong or a kidding dip, if or you pay the same registration fees. Um, and, and one of um, our, our captain this year actually did a bit of a player profile and one of his highlights of his footy career was watching our reserves win a premiership four years ago. And that's not him. He played in two premierships. But I think it comes to that culture of celebrating every team as equal. Um, that's a big part of it is. It means when you come along to the club, you're not seen as a second-rate person because you're starting Div 3. You're valued as much as anybody else. And, and going with that is, and whether we steal the, the, um, the Swans line of the no dickhead policy, um, I often have a throwaway line that I could be away for a weekend and have 100 pennos at my house 
and feel absolutely confident that that would be fine. That they are quality young people. And there's a lot of things that go into that, but, but a couple of ones I would literally say is you've got to value every player and every team equally, and that goes a long way. Um, and you've really got to make sure that you have a no dig head policy. And that can be weeded out as much by players as it can be committee and volunteers. Absolutely, if it's player driven, it certainly has been at the Sydney Swans Football Club for many, many years. Phil, what are the club's realistic aims for 2021 and I'll throw another extra one there, 2022. But first of all, what are your aims for this season on field? Yeah, look, on field, and it's not flippant, we want every team to achieve to its, its maximum potential. So um, whether that be our D4 women who have now got back-to-back wins, you know, in the, which is huge for us, like back-to-back in almost a whole team of, of newbies into the club. So to celebrate every team's performance and look at it at the end of the year is where we want. We'd love our Premier Division women to finish middle of the road. Middle of the road is where it is. We're honest to know that we're not going to be able to match it with the inner west or potentially um, Manly, who we only lost to by a couple of goals two weeks ago when their AFLW players available. But if we can hit middle of the road there. Our Prem's men, um, we've had a big changeover of players. That Our last flag was 2017. And on Saturday against North Shore, we had five players from that 2017 flag play against North Shore. It's all young kids. It's kids coming through the system. Oh, you know, I'm really optimistic that they can they can actually give the flag a run for its money at the end of the year. Um, so on field, you know, we want every team to do as well as it can. We'd love to get most teams in finals, but we want teams to do the best of their ability. And we're optimistic about a couple of teams, particularly our premise men, might go a fair way down. At a player level, I just want them all to look back at the end of the year and go, what a great year I've had as a person. I think there's a lot of pressure on young kids today. Um, their expectations, of, you only hear about house purchases and jobs and money, and they struggle for money. To be able to have them look back and go, what a great year I had personally, and the footy club was a big part of that, you know, that that's one of the big hopes that we have out of the footy club. Sam, um, did you want to ask anything or have a quick chat with, it, with Phil about anything in particular? No, look, I think that's a really, really great summary of, of Pennant Hills. It's, you know, it's got a wonderful culture and environment that's shown just by the growth the club's seen um, over the last period of time. And I think a point that I will raise, obviously, because I'm familiar with it, is you know, Phil wouldn't have mentioned it, but he's done an incredible amount of work for that facility uh, to be delivered. And it's an absolute credit to Pennant Hills and a credit to Phil for that. Because uh, that's a legacy piece for that club that's going to, you know, go well into the future. So, now that's it for me. I really appreciate you uh, providing your time tonight, Phil. It's been great to have a chat about Pennant Hills. Oh, great! Like again, we often again another throwaway line is that we say that, you know, often we'll talk after games. We think that the AFL connects us much more than it divides us in Sydney. Now, our enemy is not North Shore and East Coast. Our enemy is soccer, rugby league, and, and in many ways, apathy. So. We should be celebrating each other. It's great to talk to you guys. Thank you to the AFL. Um, we work hand in hand to make the, the game better for us, the clubs better. But uh, looking forward to playing Sydney Uni this week. Looking forward to host, hosting East Coast at our home and our past players day in two weeks. And of course, um, just before you go, Penn and Hills in the University of Sydney on KO and, and, and on Sportscast this Saturday, one fifty and 4.20. Zickman and Redden cannot wait for that. And uh, Sam's very happy about calling Beto again. And I must admit, I'm looking forward very much to seeing Sydney and Penn and Hills go at it in both grades. So it should be a wonderful afternoon at a, at a beautiful setting at the University of Sydney. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing you both there.
Thank you so much, Phil, for your time. Thanks, really, man. really appreciate it. And all the best to the club for this year and, and into the future. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Sammy, that was great talking to Phil and, and sort of getting a bit of an insight as to, to where the club to the club's heading and, and what's going on at the footy club. Sam, um, we're going to have a look now at Premier Men's scores and, and I've got, we've got a few things to talk about. And so I'll go through the statistics and then Sam will have a bit of an analysis for you. Yeah, the leading goal kickers in the men's Premier Division. Noel Castle leading from St George is on top with 26, followed closely by Sammy Williams from UTS, who we saw a couple of weeks ago with 25. Charlie Burgess-Hall from the University of New South Wales, Eastern Suburbs on 16. Kieran Emery, importantly, back playing football, Sam. We weren't sure how bad his injury was when he went down at Henson Park. Two goals. And Harry McGuire from Pennon Hills uh, has kicked, kicked one goal. So there, and he's on 14 as well. Now, um, let me just go through. I've got all these. Here we go. The Premier Division ladder is uh, from 10 up. We've got Camden, then Manly. So this is from 10 upwards. Camden, Manly, Warringah, East Coast, St. George, and the University of Sydney. The University of Sydney and Inner West um, are on 14 points after they had a draw early in the season, but Inner West are in, in, in the five on percentage by 7%. On 16 points is UTS. On 16 points next to them is Pennant Hills. Then the University of New South Wales, um, New South Wales Eastern Suburbs on 20, and undefeated leaders at the top of the ladder are the North Shore Bombers. Now, they're going along very, very nicely. We saw on the weekend they're a very, very good football side. Sammy, over you to talk about some games. First of all, we're going to go back because it's been a fortnight. We called a phenomenal game of football at Pick and Oval a couple of weeks ago at a game that was moved due to wet weather. What a thriller that was, uh, UTS and Inner West. Talk to us about that, Sam. That was a huge game. Obviously, moved late, uh, moved late across to, to Pick and Oval, as you mentioned. But that was a, it was a huge game, not only for the context of their seasons, but also just because it was such a close, close game all throughout the day. But currently, as we, you know, as you've just gone through the ladder, they're sitting fourth and fifth on the table, UTS and Inner West, and, you know, two points separating. Obviously, UTS having had that, um, the extra two-point advantage with Inner West having a draw with Sydney Uni. But that just showed how big that game was for those two clubs, David. I mean, if, if Inner West had managed to, to get across the line, They'd be sitting above them. They'd be sitting a game and it'd be clear. It's just, it's crazy how important that game could be. And look, they're, they're going to play each other again in the back half of the season, and it's going to be equally as an important game because we we know that St George are coming. They're going to be coming for a final spot. You know that Sydney Uni and Pennant Hills are obviously going to be coming for final spots. UNSW and North Shore have already proven that they're going to be powerhouse in the competition. So. You know, fourth, fifth spot is going to be on the line for these teams. Um, and, and Inner West and UTS are going to be right there in the mix. I just thought it was just quickly wanting to mention some, some performances from that particular game. David, we've been fortunate enough to call um, Inner West a few times. Brandon Lagarda and Lucas Lamb played exceptional games for, yes, they did. for Inner, Inner West in this particular this particular game. Lagarda's just so good around the contest. He's so strong. He's a big player. Um, he got a lot of possessions, and then Lucas Lamb just played across that half back line, sweeping yeah. and just reading the play. And he's, he's a young player; he's very well listed, of course. So he's, he's, a, he's a quality player, but he's young. He's fit. He takes the game on. So I was really impressed with those two. On the uh, on the UTS side, obviously Sam Williams. Look, he didn't have a lot of disposals, but he kicks the ball so straight for goal. He doesn't need that many stats. He probably had I don't know maybe six, seven touches for the game, but he kicked four goals. He kicked three in the second half. Um, we kicked the game winner. Uh, so he was really, really important. And we're seeing him continue to push up in the goal kicking. And then I thought Xavier Barry Murphy as well um, had an incredibly important game. He's just a bit of a general for the for the bats. And, and he had a really solid performance and, and came up big at the moments that mattered in that game. So 
yeah, really good watch for me, those two clubs moving forward, but such an important win for the Bats, and they're, they're the surprise packets. They're the improvement team of the year for sure at the moment, coming off their season last year. And um, the next game to have a quick chat about is Pennant Hills and North Shore, which we caught on the weekend. A very complete, composed performance in the chilly weather at Cherrybrook on, late on Saturday afternoon. Um, but North Shore for mine, extremely impressive. And I've got no doubts, none in my mind, they'll make the final three. Oh, they're, they're clinical. That's almost the way yep. you describe North Shore Footy Club um, in the Premier Division men's and yeah, certainly across a number of their divisions, but they were clinical on Saturday. There were moments in the game where Pennant Hills um, tried to wrestle some momentum, but there were just players on the North Shore side that just refused um, to let that happen. And every time there was a, a moment where Pennant Hills got on top, it was Jordan Law um, at Reed Van Husted, obviously, who we've called a lot yeah. up in Newcastle and Hunter. He stepped up really big, uh, but I thought, I thought Jordan Law's game was, was really solid. Uh, I thought Felix Rogers is like a, just a crazy good small forward, David. He he really tore the game apart in the last 15 minutes um, out of Henson a few weeks ago, and he and he just bobs up. He just knows where the goals are, and he's a really important player for North Shore. He almost gives them that option that you know it's not Jamie Vladko, it's not, it's not Hill, it's actually it's Rogers who creates this danger. The big defenders from Pettigrew's actually played really well. Though. I thought they were some of the better players. So Mitchell Blow yep. had an incredibly good game. Um, but it was the small forwards and the small players around the contest for North Shore that played well. Maguire was quiet for Pedro. He obviously kicked one goal and he's fifth on the goal kickers. But you know, he's got a lot of upside. But Wilson Mudge is putting together a really solid season. We've seen him play a few times and, and he was quite good for, for Pettigrew's Hills. But overall, uh, North Shore were just clinical and and they're going to be they're going to be right up there this year, and it's going to be it's going to be tough to imagine too many clubs knocking them off. I reckon that would be one of the better players at club football that Reed Van Hoosteed's played on in Harry Maguire, and he beat him he beat him outright on the weekend. It was a touch up, and uh, Van, that's a good scale for Van Hoosteed moving forward. And Maguire will come back from that. I don't think the delivery to him was outstanding, but he just had one of those days when the ball was flying over his head, flying short. You get those days in footy. He's good enough to come back. Sam, onto the Premier Division uh, uh, women's and some. Uh, so, the, oh, hang on, I've just lost the script. Uh, there you go. I've got all sorts of things on my Facebook here at the moment, but I'll come back down to that. So, the women, um, women's Premier Division ladder uh, from 10th up. So, I've got Macquarie Uni in 10th, UTS in 9th, Sydney Uni 8th, Pennant Hill 7th, University of New South Wales, Eastern Suburbs. They're on 12 points. They're in 6th. So, clearly in 5th is North Shore. Uh, they're on 16 points. With them is Inner West. We've seen it West a couple of times. Southern Power going along very nicely. In fact, the top three teams are going very nicely. Southern Power on 20. Manly's also on 20. And Manly's in front in second position uh, by percentage. And on top on their own is the East Coast Eagles undefeated. So both of our leaders in the Premier Divisions are actually undefeated, which is quite remarkable six games into the season. The women's Premier Division leading goal kickers. Riley McGartland from East Coast has 20 goals. She kicked five. Rebecca Privatelli, and this is ominous for the league when she's kicking goals, kicked six for Inner West. She's on 16. Jessica Doyle didn't add to a total. She's on 16. Ellery Morris uh, kicked two. She's on 14. And Holly Graham from Manly's on 13 goals. So, look, um, interesting stats there. Just to quickly run through the scores in the women's competition for you. We caught an absolute thriller at, uh, at Mike Kenny Oval. North Shore 5-8 over Pennant Hills 5-5. Southern Power continuing on their, their winning ways. A very good win. 5-6-36 over University of New South Wales, 3-3-21. Inner West, 14-9-93 over Macquarie Uni, the solitary behind. East Coast Eagles, 13-9-87 over UTS, three behinds. And Manly def- 
defeated Sydney University 5-9-39 to two straight 12. Sam, um, over to you, my friend, to talk first of all about North Shore and Manly in round five. Now, these are two teams, David, that are ones to watch in this competition. We, you know, we obviously got a chance to see North Shore um, live um, against Pettis Hills, and I think it would be fair to say that North Shore would have been surprised with um, how well uh, Pennant Hills were able to push them and match them around the contest. And obviously, you know, Pennant Hills will get to the, potentially, you know, getting off track with the, the North Shore. But I thought the way Pennant Hills were able to create some space over the back really worried North Shore. And yep. That'll give them something to look at as they move forward. But that North Shore Manly game in round five was one that we were really keen to, to see the results of. Obviously, we weren't out there calling, but there was a some really good signs that those two clubs are going to be pushing the likes of East Coast as the season moves on. Um, we've seen Dominic Carruthers play a few times and she is a legitimate superstar in our competition and she's proved that again on the weekend as she did against Manly. Um, Georgia Walker, Isadora McClay um, played really well for for North Shore in that game. And then on the other side of the, of the, of the ledgy, Emily Goodsir and Hannah Wolf, who was the rising star after round five, put together a really good performance for Manly. But what I picked up on most is that Jessica Doyle and Holly Graham have both moved in the top five for goal kicking now in women's Premier Division. And obviously when you put Erin McKinnon through the middle, um, Lisa Steen, players who can deliver the ball, that's an ominous warning for all the other teams in the competition. And they've got two power forwards who can kick the holes um, and they're going to be a team to watch. So I think based off that performance and based off what we've seen for a number of weeks, Manly are the, are the club that's going to start coming for East Coast. Um, we know that Inner West is very strong as well, and Southern Power, but we'll talk about um, shortly. But for me, I think that that dominance up forward for Doyle and Graham, and obviously the, the talent with Good Sir McKinnon and Steen, just puts me to a bit of warning out there that Manly might be coming in this competition. Obviously, last year's premise, so we shouldn't be surprised. But I thought that was a, a good performance overall and a, and a pretty close contest. And quickly, University of New South Wales, Eastern Suburbs with a Southern Power, a really good win for Southern Power, who are in cracking form at the moment. Yeah, the, the one here that's worth a look and worth a chat is that there's uh, an interesting transfer during the week, David. Uh, Hanine Zarika, who's a, a wonderful player for the GWS Giants AFLW's team, uh, transferred across to UNSW during the week, uh, and she was straight into the best players for, for UNSW in this game, and she was really well supported by a player that we enjoyed watching, Maddie Hendry. Mm. Uh, but they just weren't quite good enough to get on the Southern Power, who um, who are a really strong team in our competition. I think we're both looking forward to calling them in a few weeks' time. We'll get a first look at the at the Southern Power women's Premier Division team. But um, Eve's and Sargent played well for Southern Power. Um, Catherine Stanton's been a bit quiet, so she's dropped out of the top five in goal kicking. Maybe a change in role there for her. But look, another really, really solid win for Southern Power. Okay, on to the Platinum, uh, platinum Division. So our leading goal kicker is Mitchell Stevenson Penrith is flying. He's kicked seven on the weekend. He's got 31 goals now. Josh Breach from Randwick City and Jordan Pigeon from Parramatta have 16 apiece, followed by Luke Shipway from Mac Uni and Harry Jenkins from Balmain. They're both on 15 goals. So just quickly, the ladder in the uh, Platinum Division is as follows from the bottom up. Campbelltown are in eighth, Balmain seventh. Um, they're on... Uh, Four points. Uh, Campbelltown yet to open their account. Southwest Sydney are on eight points. Macquarie University in fifth on eight points. Uh, they've got a, a, a and Macquarie Uni's got a game in hand. I might add as well against Randwick City. Randwick City are in fourth on twelve points, and then in third is Parramatta on sixteen. In uh, second is Southern Power on twenty, and yet a, yet another team 
undefeated on top, Penrith flying along at 247%, and they're on top of the ladder. So uh, very interesting there. So it's in, in order, Penrith, Southern Power, Parramatta, and that, that, um, that uh, game to be played is now massive for the structure of the whole competition. Randwick City and Macquarie Uni have got a game in hand, and they're uh, in fourth and fifth, respectively. Okay, over here to um, our next is our run-through of games for this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Our broadcast games are from the University of Sydney, number one oval. So the um, Premier Division men's first. Sydney Uni play Pennant Hills at 150 at number one. At Olds Park at Penzhurst, St George hosting UTS. At Catherine Park, Cap Camden hosting Manly. At Pick an Oval in Croydon Park, Inner West hosting the University of New South Wales. What a litmus test that is for Inner West. Holy cow. And then a massive. And then East Coast host North Shore. That's a twilight game out at Cambridge at half past five, beginning nice and cool at Rouse at half past five in the afternoon. Let me, de- <laughs> let me, let me tell you. Uh, before we go over to the women, Sam, the uh, key matchup in round seven, over to you, Sammy, is the University of Sydney and Pennant Hills from Sydney Uni number well, one over. Match of the round, David, and it is going to live up to it. What a contest we've got uh, at the number one oval there at Sydney Uni on, on Saturday afternoon. Third versus sixth, uh, Sydney Uni sitting in sixth, which is not a position they'd be accustomed to. The Demons sitting in third, and, and they're certainly looking to protect that double chance as they move through the season. This is a, a huge game for the Demons and also for Sydney Uni. Now, Sydney Uni have rolled three in a row, three wins in a row since they got knocked off on Anzac Day by UNFW, who are obviously a powerhouse team. But they're starting to round into form now, Uni, and that's ominous for the rest of the competition. Um, David, our, our mate uh, Isaac Hughes, who we've called again up in the hunter, he kicked three on the weekend, and he's rounding into some really good form um, for Sydney Uni. Michael Nepheim and Tom Van Dorgen have also been playing really well. I thought Harry Whitaker and Jack Dimery are just bubbling under the surface to Sydney Uni. They're two wonderful players that probably haven't hit their straps quite yet. So I'm interested to see those players run around this weekend. And obviously, Pennant Hills are hurting off the back of the North Shore loss uh, last week, and and they'll be looking to respond. And and I'll be really keen to see how the likes of Chris Galvin, uh, Maine Weidler, and and Theo Baratis respond. Um, to the performance last weekend, all players who, who will be looking for better performances this weekend are all you know wonderful, wonderful players. I'm thinking Theo Moraitis is, is due for a bag of goals this weekend, David. So I'll, I'll call Big Theo to kick five potentially this weekend uh, for the Demons. And then the one I'm looking forward to seeing, hopefully back in, is Jackson Potter. He was the the enforcer around the contest on Anzac Day, and he wasn't there on the weekend. And I thought the Demons missed his energy and his physical pressure around the balls. So. So many good players in this game. Can't wait to get out there to Sydney Uni and call this game. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker and one kick either way for me. That should be a fantastic afternoon at the University of Sydney. The uh, Premier Division women's schedule is as follows. First of all, at 11.50, Southern Power hosting UTS. That's at Waratah Oval. Inner West hosting University of New South Wales, Eastern Suburbs. Macquarie Uni hosting Manly. East Coast hosting North Shore. Wow, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then Sydney Uni, of course, hosting Pennant Hills. That's live on air. And first bounce is at 4.20. Sam, our game for focus to this weekend is an absolute cracker. East Coast and North Shore. Thank you very much, Father, for the Rabbits. Sammy, talk to us about this one. Well, here we go. First versus fifth. We've got an East Coast team undefeated with a you know, percentage of skyrocketing. They're a club who's 
benefiting so much from the tutelage of Ash Moller and, and, the, and the players coming through and developing un, under his tutelage incredibly well. So they're, they're a side on the move, East Coast, and they've, they've set the bar incredibly high for the rest of the competition. But North Shore, uh, uh, they're coming as well. They're a club that's only been in provision for a couple of years, and they've got some really talented players uh, that we've talked about. David, the one, uh, the one I really need to mention off the back of the performance on the weekend was Zoe Hurrell. Um, oh. She was so impressive, just marking the ball and taking the game on. I know you know, we were commenting on her during the game. I wonder what your thoughts were about her performance, but she was certainly a talent. Uh, and the added thing with Hurrell is that she's quick. She's actually got natural athleticism and speed and it got her out of some issues, but she's got very good awareness, slightly built player, but um, really quick and looks like she can run and carry. She was terrific for them on the weekend. She really was. Again, sometimes sweeping a little bit like Lamb. You're talking about like Lamb a little while, a little while ago being sweeping. Hurrell was sitting behind the play. I thought she was outstanding for them. Yeah, she was really good. Uh, obviously, Isadora McClay is an important player. And the other one that we haven't mentioned who's been a really solid performer is Stephanie Lewington. She's played really well for, for North Shore as well. And then obviously, Carruthers, we have to, every time we talk about North Shore, we have to mention her because she's such such a good player and, and she really is the kind of the, the number one go-to for that club. But on the other side of the, the ledger again, it, the East Coast, Riley McGarland's gone to the top of the goal-kicking. Mm-hmm. Um, she's putting together a really solid season and, and she's ably supported by... Georgina Fowler and Maddie Finch who are putting together a nice season themselves. And the other one that I've been really impressed to see is some of the young talent that's coming through in East Coast. Um, the likes of Abby Martin, who continue to kick goals every week, coming through the junior program. These are a lot of you know players that have that have only you know just come into senior football in the last twelve months, uh, and they're the ones that are impressing in, in a side like East Coast, which obviously got a lot of talent, a lot of AFLW talent and experienced talent. But it's the it's the young players coming through that are that are really setting up the Eagles, and I've been impressed to see some of those players bobbing up in the goal kickers and the, and the best players each and every week. So that'll be a great contest out there, at, out there at Cambridge, and looking forward to seeing who gets up in that one. Absolutely. Sam, uh, look, we've had a, a terrific discussion tonight. Thanks again to Phil Hare, and we've gone through a lot of things in our fortnightly potty. Anything else before we sign off for tonight, my friend? No, I think we've covered a lot. Thanks to thanks to the Preds, uh, Phil Hare from, from Pennant Hills for joining us, and obviously thank you to David for... Uh, for your contributions, and we're, um, we hope everyone enjoys the footy this weekend, and we'll, we'll be back for a podcast in a fortnight's time. Look forward to it. So once again, our, our, our broadcast this weekend on KO and on Sportscast from the University of Sydney, number one oval, is Sydney Uni and Pennant Hills. The Premier Division men's game first bounce at one fifty, and the Premier Division women's game is at 4.20. Can't wait to um, join Sam Zickman in commentary once again. And as I said, I make him look like a road scholar, so that's, uh, that should be a lot of fun. With that great thanks to my man Sam and Phil Hare, this is David Redden, and it's been our pleasure bringing you the Sam and Big Man podcast. From Sam and myself, it's good night.